Thanks for listening to The Real Life Podcast. If you live in the Erie area, we invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or live on Facebook and YouTube by searching Real Life Assembly. Now, here's this week's message. wrap up uh, kind of this month that we've been talking about specifically on this theme about I love my church and just reflecting on uh, what God has done in you and us together. It's been a wonderful, uh, again, few weeks for us to be able to celebrate together. Debbie and I had a chance to do a little getaway. We were in Maine for the last three or four days, Um, had some friends that uh, have just become very special to us and they invited us up and it worked out that uh, we were able to get up there and man, what a beautiful part of the world uh, that was to us and uh, what a great host that Jay and Jen Barrows uh, have been to us. And uh, we enjoyed our time uh, so much, and we had a chance to talk about their new journey of faith and just what God has been doing uh, here at Erie, even when we go away, um, that you are on our hearts, and uh, this idea of family just continues to pour out of us. So thank you for caring and loving for us. Thank you for being the church that we love to be at um, all of the time and a joy to be here together with you on Sunday. Um, As Bailey said earlier, if you're new with us, we'd love to welcome you to the family and give you a little bit more of what real life uh, has meant to us, and I hope that you feel that again today. So over these last couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking about this theme that Bill Hybel said a long time ago uh, that said the local church is the hope of the world. And I hope that you are believing that more and more each week that we talk about. And I am so excited. Uh, There are probably every Sunday that I am excited to be here with you, but there are those occasions when I'm even more amped, and I'll give you a heads up, today is one of those days, all right? We're going to talk about such really powerful stuff that I've just been excited about over these last couple of days, just waiting to be able to share it with you today. I want to ask a question this morning that that obviously I have been pondering for a while and I want you to consider with me this morning as well, as we've talked about this idea of the church. So what is the significance of the church? What does that mean to you and I today when we think about, and, and as you've heard on the screen over the last couple of days, that we've tried to quantify just what the significance of the church is all about. Well, we've talked about that Jesus came to build the church. We know that Jesus died for the church and the mission that we are still a part of today. In fact, Jesus's final command was to the church that it should be commissioned and it should be engaged with a mission and it should be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody say yes with me today. Right? We know how significant How important the church is if Jesus was willing to die for the church and again give us his spirit to empower us to continue the message and mission of the church until he comes back for us. Now over the years we've had a standing mission statement. I know that I think almost all of you could say it with me that we're here to love God, love others and serve the world. I can tell you there aren't many churches that after 14 years that people could quote their mission statement that what they know that that has become of what we began at the very beginning and the desire to to move it forward. And I talked a little bit last week that kind of bits and pieces of that to add to that is that as a church, we are called to seek and save the lost, and we are also called to disciple the found. 
And so we realize that there is an evangelism, there is a mission for us to help people to know the love and the power of Jesus. But once we are found, then we realize that God puts a call on our lives to be able to serve him and to be useful in the ministry as well. And I want to talk to you more about that as well. You see, I think our mission should be constantly being refueled by Christ followers who want to expand the kingdom. There are some of you out there today that are doing such a wonderful part in so many ways. I was thinking about a number of uh, real love just kind of came to my mind over the last couple of uh, days that thinking just relatively a short time ago that this desire to, to reach out and to care and to love for people, not only here inside of our building, but but for the community that is around us. I, I know I saw Connie Garrison a little bit earlier, and, and Connie, I feel like, has just embodied that, that in such a wonderful way. Uh, when there are things that need to get sorted in the room, I see Connie here through the week. When there are bags which, which are going to start showing up shortly about our Thanksgiving outreach. I think last year, maybe a hundred bags or, or close to that number, uh, somewhat, uh, that, that we were sending out with bags of food, getting our husband involved. So Connie, I know you're out there and there are others. Man, I am so blessed by those of you that are fueling the mission and the heart of God the, of what we desire to do more. Here's what I want to say to every one of you sitting in a pew today. You see, you and I should be on mission by serving internally. We call that being a part of a ministry team. And, and that happens in so many ways during Sundays and through the week to recognize that I'm here to advance the kingdom of, of what real life has been called to do in here or in our community. And I know that I need to be a part of that. But I also need to be serving externally what we would call on a mission team as well. Whether you served at track over the last couple of weekends of August or you're a part of real love or you're willing to take again the message to be able to help hurting people know that God loves and cares about them. That is the heart that real life continues to be fueled by. Not just by vision that maybe God put into Debbie and I but how it's being refueled how God is speaking to you that we can do more for the kingdom of God. Can you say yes with me today? That God would continue to empower you. And I want to challenge everyone in the seats today that you should be serving in ministry here within the church and that you should feel a call to mission to go outside of the church and know, let people know how loved and cared they are by God and by this church family as well. Something uh, that's probably familiar that we read, and I want to unpack for you this morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it speaks to ministry and mission. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18 and 19, the first part of it I know is very familiar, I would think, to most of you here today. But unfortunately, it's one of those verses that are so powerful, but we kind of stop right at, at the beginning of that section, and we don't ever really unpack what comes after that. And I want to do that with you this morning. Here's the part I think that is familiar to most of you this morning. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Amen? The old is going away and the brand new is coming. How many say amen to that? How many have heard that, believe that, 
right? You recognize when you've talked to people or you've shared the gospel, it's so wonderful to know that that's what Jesus Christ has the ability to do, to come into our life and radically transform and change us. Take what was old and damaged and replace has the ability and the power to do that. But how many can say amen that there's more to the story, right? So let's, let's continue to read a little further down. It says this, that all this, that work of restoration, that work of the gospel is all done for us through God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, everybody say that, and gave us, come on, say it with me, and, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So for those of us who were lost, for those of us who didn't know Christ, and then we became brand new creation. The old was passed away. Behold, now everything has become new. When that happens, we keep reading, right? It was God who did that work, and because of that, now he has given to us, right? How many said that a few moments ago? He gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. So if any of you can say, Pastor, I don't, I don't know what my ministry is. Can I tell you this morning? You have the ministry of reconciliation. If you know nothing else, the Bible is here to tell you today that you have been given, come on, yes? You have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Now, you might say, well, Pastor, what does the Bible mean when it talks about reconciliation. Well, the, the dictionary defines it as this. When there were former enemies, but then they agreed to an amicable truce. And so they realized that they were in opposite positions. They both felt they were right, but somewhere along the line, they declared a truce. They, they were willing to change their position for the betterment of everyone. And it might be hard to swallow a little bit, but without Christ, we have to recognize that we are hostile to God. God is holy, God is pure, God is all-powerful, and we, before Christ, were sinful, lost, abandoned, separated. He loved us so much that he sent Christ. Somebody say, thank the Lord today, right? And he brought the ministry of reconciliation that unites us back to God. That's why God can change us and transform us from being old and made new. But here's the wonderful part. If that has happened to you, then the Bible says that God has given each and every one of us that very same gift or ministry. That we have the ministry of reconciliation. To take things that are separated and to be able to draw them home. Verse 19 says that God has reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting our sins against us. That's the reconciliation. That's the power of what Christ did for us on the cross. His death brought life to you and I. Now let's continue to read. And he has committed to us. Now what? First, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. But because the work that Christ has done for us, and now that has been put inside of us, he has what? 
committed us. So, to quite honestly, is that you and I don't have a choice in all of this, right? Why? Because if you have been saved, God says, now I commit to you that same imperative that you take the message of the gospel to lost and hurting people and let them know that no matter what sin they carry, that God is able to forgive them and invite them into heaven with him. And God has commissioned us, committed us now with what? The message of reconciliation. So I want you to say, if you're a believer today, I have the gift of reconciliation and that I have to exercise the message of reconciliation. If you're with me, say yes. You see, so that which we were lost, God brought us near. But it's not just that we keep that to ourselves. God says, no, I have committed to you, first of all, the ministry of doing the same, and now I'm commissioning you with the message of reconciliation. He finishes this passage by saying that we are Christ's ambassadors. See, I want you to know that ambassadors are significant people. They are high profile. Their role is to represent the authority of the homeland in the foreign land in which they serve. An ambassador is commissioned to speak and act on behalf of the leader's wish. You see, you have been committed and commissioned to the ministry of reconciliation as well as the message of reconciliation. You are an ambassador for Christ. Look at somebody and say, I didn't know that, but you're an ambassador today, right? You're, you're kind of big stuff. You're, you're high profile, right? Some of you, you didn't even, you came into church. Just think how you're going to walk out of church today, right? You're going to be like, where's the trumpets, pastor? Where's the, like, where's the procession? I'm an ambassador here for Christ in this place. Well, if we are an ambassador, then the church is the embassy. You see, America has embassies in every major city in the world. An embassy is a little bit of America a long way from home. They are sovereign territories. Here's the country that they're in. It belongs to the country from which it's from. Come on, somebody say amen. The church is the embassy. And we do not represent, we do not belong to the country that we're in. We belong and we represent the country from which we are from. You see, if you get in trouble in another nation, you want to get to the American embassy. Why? Because that's American soil. And the laws of the country of which you're in don't apply. You see, what you need to understand this morning is that God has established an embassy throughout the course of history, and it is the local church. It's where people need to get to, to know that they are safe, to know that they are protected, to know that they can be saved, to know that they can be filled, to know that they can be kept and protected, to know that they are on ground that has been established from the King of Heaven, and it is you and I as ambassadors that are inviting them in to the embassy that is the local church. You see, it is to bring the values of the homeland into that particular foreign territory. 
The Bible makes it clear that earth is not the homeland. Somebody say yes. That heaven is our home. In fact, over the next couple of weeks as part of our life group study, we are going to be studying about the blessedness of heaven together. That that is the homeland, that we are ambassadors representing our home in this foreign territory. You see, the church is not to represent the values of the country that it is in. It represents the values of the country from which it's from. You see, that's why God gave to you and I the ministry of reconciliation as well as the message of reconciliation because we are to bring the value of our homeland into this foreign land. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, we often call it the Lord's Prayer, but I think it's more accurately should be known as the disciples' prayer. Because that's what they were asking. Jesus, teach us to pray. Give us a prayer. And as we go through those lines, there's one that says that let it be on earth as what? As it is in heaven. You see, we as ambassadors have this commitment, this call to bring the value of the homeland into this foreign land. When our mission becomes entangled with the world from which we are in, our message and methods become muddled. Come on, let that soak in for a minute. When we start living and acting like the world in which we are in, our message and our methods become muddled. We become a confusion to the world that is around us. When we talk like the world, when we drink like the world, when we breathe like the world, when we speak like the world, when we party like the world, the world is going to be confused about the message and method of the homeland that we represent as ambassadors of Christ. And so our message and our mission must be focused. Why? Because we have been called We have been committed and commissioned with the ministry of reconciliation. We are to be different than the world so that our message is gravitating to those that are lost, to those that are hopeless. Find that there is hope in the church of Jesus Christ, that there is salvation in none other than Jesus and him and him alone. Unfortunately, the church loses its effectiveness when we find ourselves muddling our message with the world and its ministry and its message here. We lose kingdom identity. So let me challenge you this morning. Then what should be the church's identity? Maybe most specifically, what should be our church identity? You remember from a couple of weeks ago, we learned that in Matthew chapter 16 is where we first hear about the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, it was Peter's righteous declaration that establishes the embassy here on earth. It was Peter who declared, you are the Christ, the Son of of the living God. It was that truth proclaimed that day 
that should be proclaimed every day, even up until today and whatever tomorrows we have. What is the significance of the church? What is all of this about Jesus? Well, I need to tell you, he is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. You see, that's powerful, I believe, to those of us inside the room or those that are watching with us online today. And in fact, that's probably exactly how we would say it today. That's something that would probably surge within us that if someone asks us about what makes the difference of church or this family that you are a part of, it's that we're not seeking our own endeavors, we're not highlighting ourselves, it is about Christ. He is the son of the living God. But if you remember that story in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus, and for that response, was asking a follow-up question to his initial question. And there was a reason why Jesus had to ask this follow-up question. Now, you may not remember, let me kind of jog your, your memory a little bit, but when Jesus was having this discourse with his disciples, he was in his homeland, northern Israel. In fact, it says that he was in Caesarea Philippi. And so he was up with his people, up in the north of of Nazareth. And Jesus' first question, some of you remember, as he was with his disciples, he said, who is it that men say that I am? And, And I guess if we could just break it down a little bit more, Jesus again, in his hometown, what's the word on the street about me? What is it that people are saying or who they are saying I am? Well, the disciples looked around and they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. You've come back from the dead. Others say that you're Jeremiah, you're Isaiah, you're one of the great prophets of the past. Listen, church, those are all great men of Scripture, but go with me. Amazingly, none of his hometown people, none of the townspeople identified Jesus as to who he truly was, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. Think about that. Jesus asked in his hometown, who is it that the town says I am? And they said everything but the right answer. They were missing the point. That the Messiah had come and that he had come from among them. And so he asked the follow-up question. They got it all wrong. So who do you say that I am? And heaven helped Peter declare, you are the Messiah. You are Lord. You are the king of heaven. You are the cornerstone And on you, the foundation, the Petra, the church of Jesus Christ is going to be built. Lives are going to be touched. Families are going to be healed. Lives are going to be transformed. We were once lost, but now we know that we are going to be found. That my name was scratched out, but because of the blood of Jesus and all of my sin and all of my wrong, it has been rewritten. In fact, Peter had an old name. God gave him a new name. And one day the Bible says you and I are going to have our names written in the Lamb's book of life to know that we have been given the message and the ministry of of, of restoration and reconciliation that I was once lost. But praise God, today through the Messiah, 
Messiah, through Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, I am found forevermore. But it's more than me just getting it. I have been commissioned with what? The ministry and the message of reconciliation as well. I hope that I have answered our primary question today. What is the significance of the church? The significance of the church is for you and I to realize who Jesus is. What he has done for us. And what he desires to do in and through us. As the church of Jesus Christ. Can I ask you to reach down and grab your seatbelts and just kind of pull them a little bit tighter for the next moment or two? You see, we are not a social club. In fact, we are not even a religious organization. We are living stones. We are a collection of believers in the name of Jesus Christ. We have been built together to represent the kingdom of heaven here on earth. We are Christ's ambassadors of the kingdom that is far, that God is desiring through you and I and his church to bring near to those that are lost, that need the power of reconciliation and redemption that is going to come through lives that have been changed and transformed by the power of God's. If I was in a church that believed that, there would be people standing to their feet saying yes and amen today, huh? We are divinely ordained gathering of believers who act as a rock-solid location to dispense the truth of Scripture and the love and compassion of a Savior. That's what we're here for. We are here together to recognize that the truth of Scripture is paramount. Can somebody say amen? We are not a social club. We are here to be challenged. You are here to sometimes sit back and kind of go, whoa. You are here sometimes to realize, how did Pastor Jim read my mail this week? You are here to be inundated by the truth of Scripture that will have the only ability to radically change your life. And since we have been transformed, that the old is gone, behold, all things are new, that now we have this ministry that brings love and compassion of our Savior to the world that is around us. You do that internally here in ministry and we are doing that externally by way of mission to those that are around us as well. In the Bible, in the original language of the New Testament Greek, the name for church was ecclesia. That is how the church was defined. And in most of those occasions, the church has been defined as the called out ones. That from the world that we have been drawn to live differently, to have a different perspective, to have a different message and method about how we navigate through this world. That we have been called to be Christ's ambassadors, to have a high profile life representing the kingdom in which we serve. But in Acts chapter 19, to solidify the point with you and I today, that word was used as a position of authority. 
So when I call you today Christ's ambassadors, I want you to know that there is heaven authority that has been granted to the kingdom of which we serve. That we are a ruling and legislative body. Now here in Erie, we have town commissioners or councilmen, women. When Debbie and I lived in New England, they had what were known as assembly men. They represented the assembly. And I want you to know that every one of you here today not only are Christ ambassadors, but you are assemblymen and assemblywomen of real life assembly. You have been given a rank, a title, to not only represent us, but through real life, you represent the kingdom as ambassadors for Christ. You have no small task. You are not a nobody. Hear me today. You are not left to the, to the remnants or to the wall. When Christ came into your life and you have come into the ministry of reconciliation within the church, you become an assemblyman. You become an assemblywoman. You become an ambassador for Christ that lives a high-profile life representing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. That's a big job. Some of you came into church, you didn't recognize your position. Some of you didn't know that you were as high profile as you are. Wherever you serve the gospel, wherever you serve Christ, Jesus said what? When you've done it even unto the least of these, what? You've done it unto me. Nothing that you do for the gospel, nothing that you do for the church of Jesus Christ is insignificant. God says you're high profile. God says you're an ambassador of the kingdom. Let these things on earth be as they are in heaven. The church should be full of ambassadors bringing the righteousness and the spirit of heaven here to earth. Hear me, church, with authority. See, this is why I know we are not a social club. We're not here to just follow the program to sing the few songs, do a prayer, watch a video, hear some words, and then leave. No, we are here again with people of authority to bring down the power of heaven to surge through our veins, that we experience the power of a living Savior that is here to save, that is here to heal, that is here to redeem, that is here to restore. Let me ask you, ambassadors today, when was the last time you walked through those doors expecting heaven to powerfully show up and represent the Jesus that you serve, the Jesus that you love? Listen, the work of the churches when we gather is not for it to abound to us, but that heaven come down and and fill this place that we save that we see hurt people 
being redeemed, that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, that we have been commissioned with the message to know that lost and hurting people can be found and healed and made whole by the power of Jesus in their life. That's the kind of church I not only want to attend, that's the church I want to lead when I lead with some assemblymen and some assembly women who are ambassadors for Jesus Christ saying, Pastor, there's got to be more for us to do. There's got to be more for the power of God to do through us when we gather. Let heaven come down among his people. You see, we get the authority being rightly identified with Christ. I guess they would say it of these last couple of years, we're not here to be posers. We're here to be proclaimers. Amen? We're here to know that what God has done in me, it's my desire to spread to those that are around me as well. Let me kind of start to finish, but tie it into what I think is significant for us here today at Real Life. So what are the values that, that we hold to? And then ultimately the vision of our church. What is the significance of Real Life? Why do we take some time in September for us to think about our church and to think about our journey? What, what is important for you and I to be recalling and, and remembering? You see, I know a lot of people... Unfortunately, that number is dwindling in our society, but still, a lot of people go to church. People go to big churches. In fact, there's even an extra name now that we put on that people attend mega churches. How many know, right? They go where guys are pastoring churches of 5,000, 8,000, 10,000 people on a weekend. Some churches like small churches. They like to know everybody. They, they like to talk about that family feel. In fact, I've been to several churches in my lifetime that have been made out of mud and straw. I've been blessed to be in parts of the world where their edifice was just this little mud hut, but inside was the true church of Jesus Christ. People that loved him, that had the ministry of reconciliation, that they were ambassadors for Christ. You see, the key is, it doesn't matter what church you attend. What should matter is, are you attending a strong church? It doesn't matter necessarily how big it is or what you enjoy of what it offers, but what you really need to find out is, is it a strong church? You say, well, pastor, how do I know that? Well, I'm so glad that you asked that question today. Let me give you a few things about what I believe and what makes real life a strong church. First of all, that church needs to have spirit-filled leadership. You have to know that from the top that people have the desire to lead the body, to lead the church into wanting more of the power and presence of God. Not only on its pastoral staff, but on its leadership staff as a whole. That there are people that have the desire for the Holy Spirit to move in their life, and that we are perpetuating that move to happen throughout the church. A strong church has spirit-filled leaders that are hearing from God, leading the church by the Spirit of God, knowing that He has plans and purpose for every one of us. I think a strong church is based on doctrinally sound messages that meet the needs of people. Hopefully you feel you are being fed the Word of God at real life. That there is doctrinal sound message 
Now, usually it takes me quite a while every Sunday to get all of that out to you. The guys that I ride bike with every morning, they're a retired bunch of guys. And in fact, some of them have started to listen to real life online now. And so they have a lot of questions having a pastor ride along with this motley crew of bicyclists. And they asked me a lot of questions and they said, so, pastor at your parish, how long, like how long is your service? And, and I told them, they will, like, so you do a homily, you, you talk to the people, like how long is that? And I kind of snide and look at them and I'm like, ah, probably like 40, 45 minutes. And they were like, whoa, you got to be kidding me, like our whole service, we're in and out in 45 minutes. I'm like, yeah. We take serious the word of God and we want to kind of get everything that it has for us. We want to know that as we are here, a lot of churches today are, are, are by way of servicing people are continuing to cut the time from 90 minutes to 75 minutes to 60 minutes. That, that we want to make it comfortable for people to come in and listen, I get that understanding, but I want you to know that I believe a strong church is, and whether it happens in 90 minutes or 60 minutes, but the fact is, is that you are being presented the challenge and the truth of God's word that is going to meet your need and that you know it's rock solid from the word of God's. So unfortunately for those of you that attend real life, it just takes me a little bit more time to make sure you're getting it. That we are uncompromised in our convictions. Hopefully you can say amen. So while we were with our friends these last couple of days in Maine, they have been somewhat new to faith and they were part of a UCC church that unfortunately doctrinally and standardly that they have really flipped to the other side of what we believe is acceptable as to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jay was on the leadership team and began to know this pastor and they were growing in their faith but unfortunately the pastor had a moral failure and so he was removed as the pastor and then this new pastoral search began and, and they were new to this and Jay sat on this pastoral search committee. It was new to most of them. They didn't really know how it all went and they began to interview candidates. And they interviewed a woman to be the pastor and went through that process and there were different questions and different thoughts and, and were there gonna be yeses and nos and at the, at the end of the day, it was a yes and she was the pastor of the church. Within the first month, she articulated that she was married they never interviewed together, but the assumption was that she was married. One of the leaders of the church happened to stop by their house just a month into this new position, and this woman's husband came to the door dressed as a woman and had identified as a transgender. And they were mortified to understand that our pastor that we elected is living a lifestyle that is separate from the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do we do? And it caused all kinds of chaos in the church. The church broke apart. Jay and Jen ended up leaving the church that they had been a part of for a long time. Fortunately, they have found a, a new Christ-filled church, and, and their story has changed. But you see, what brings a solid church is that we are uncompromised in conviction. 
Listen, I know it's not popular to be biblical in the age in which we are living today. In the world that we are living today. But if our message and method begins to interact with the world, then it's muddled. And we no longer become the ambassadors that Christ has called us to be. You see, I want you to know that our message is always love. Everybody say amen. Our message is always love. But our biblical standing is always based on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as far as we are concerned, they can blend together. But I realize from those that are coming from a world perspective, they may find the difficulty in blending. How can we say we love and yet still hold to biblical value when we speak against a lifestyle or a practice that they want to do that is contrary to the word of God? And so we will find that even more in the world in which we are facing How do you know you're in a strong church? That there will be emphasis on prayer, faith, and miracles. Can I ask you, church, if there was some amount of time and prayer that I had spent to present this to you today, that this is one of those points. Can I ask you before we get to our 15th anniversary that we will grow in our value of people of prayer, people of faith, and people of miracles? That we will truly allow heaven to show up in our homes, in our hearts, in our lives, and ultimately in our assembly when we gather on Sunday. In the old days, we would have called it revival. The truth of revival is it had to bring back something that was maybe dead. And our churches were in need of revival. Listen, I don't know where you're at But I'm going to ask whether you, at some point along the scale, that you'll ask God for a fresh wind of heaven in your life and that we will pray, we will have faith and believe for the heart of miracles, for God to bring a fresh wind and fire to real life as well. That's how you know you're in a strong church. Listen, we're not seeking program or personality. We're speaking the fire of the presence of heaven upon all of our lives today. That we have a worship expression where hearts are being drawn to the word. Listen, we are blessed to have people that commit to lead us in worship every Sunday. I think one of the things that COVID did for us is that it, it's, it helped us to lose a little bit of our response mechanism in worship. I'm not wanting to orchestrate this, but I want to I throw out to you today that in freedom, I want you to be open to worship Christ I love to see our altars filled, or at least I love to see people come as the expression of worship fills their heart and that they know that they want to be close to the presence of God. There were certainly times pre-COVID that during our worship experience that you responded just unabatedly to say, man, I just want to be close in the power and the presence of God. And I feel that as a church that we are open to God moving in your heart. That you are free to respond for God just wrecking your heart. And allowing you to know that he wants to draw you even closer and speak words into your heart and life. And that we as a church be faithful and generous in our giving and in our missions to those around the world. Listen, you can be small and you can be powerful. You can be few and watch God do the miraculous by giving much to those. In fact, God says he won't give us much unless we are faithful with what? The little. 
And I want to challenge that not only in our giving to our mission, but that we seek to find mission around the world and that God would do big things through our church. That we will watch God do the miraculous when we have a heart to give and a heart to share of ourselves and what is his that he brings through our lives. Let me finish this morning. The band's going to come to help me. What's a couple of things that I can give you today? What is the vision of our church? I give you the value of, of what we maybe aim to in practice, but what is the spirit behind that will allow that to take place in our life? You've heard me say this and several of us over the years. You see, the vision of us and of our church is that you and I together and those that come to find this family is that we become fully engaged followers of Jesus. That you recognize that you are an ambassador for Christ. That you realize that you have been given. How many remember reading the word of God today? You have been given what? The message of reconciliation. You have been endowed with the ministry of reconciliation. So if you know Christ today, again, none of you can leave to say, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, Pastor, I don't, I don't know what ministry I have. I don't think I have a ministry. The Bible says that you have the ministry of reconciliation. As it is in heaven, as an ambassador of Christ, I want to bring that here to earth. I want people to know that no matter who they are, that Jesus loves them. No matter how sinful they may be, that Christ can wash them and make them completely clean that God would take me to the uttermost that God would help me to believe for the miraculous that God would give me vision that when I come into this house that I am an assemblyman I'm an assembly woman of the king of kings and lord of lords that God would give me the spirit of Peter listen I don't know what others are going to say about you that is for me in my house. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And today in your presence, I am going to give myself wholly, totally to your presence, to your power, to your spirit, to use me, to move me, to empower me more today than when I walked in this room today. I feel strongly about this foster program that we've been talking about recently, that as a church that we are going to help rescue hurting children more than we have. Some of that miraculously has already started. And there are others that I have talked to just recently that are in the pipeline to help rescue hurting children right here in our own community. And I want to believe by this time next year that part of our vision is that we as a church are going to support people that are going to rescue children out of the foster program here in Erie. Kids that have struggled. Kids that don't know what family really means. Kids that don't know what having their own bed or having clean clothes or having meals or to know that there is food in the cupboards. Of those 500 kids in Erie County today who most of them don't know that, that we as a church are going to help to right that wrong. I trust that God will help us in our position to the community and to 
the ministry and the events that we can provide to our community that will let them know that we are here to not only speak about the truth of Jesus Christ, but we are here to show them the love and the compassion of a Savior who saved us and who has given us the ministry of reconciliation as well. You see, what you do, where you serve, is of great significance to the kingdom. What you do here in this place, how you give to those that we are helping around the world, you are significant to the kingdom. And so let me finish with this question this morning. It's the question that Jesus asked his disciples. And I think as we finish about what is significant about the church, what is significant about our church, I believe rests on your declaration to this very same question. And it's more complex than how it sounds. But I want to ask you to consider with me this morning, who is Jesus to you? You see, it was significant that Jesus had to ask a follow-up question. Wouldn't it have been great when Jesus asked, who is it that the community, who is it that these around town say that I am, that the disciples could say, you are the Christ, they say. You are the Messiah. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Although they knew of him, they did not know him. And I want to ask you this morning, knowing that you have the authority to be an ambassador for Christ, a significant role in the church, who is Jesus to you? You see, the church is built and it will remain on your response this morning. The picture of real life being a strong church is not going to be based that I am your pastor. It is going to be based on your response to that one question this morning. Who is Jesus to you? And if he is the Messiah, if he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, if he is your Savior, if he is the lover of your souls, then I don't think there's anything that should keep you in your seats this morning. I believe your position of authority today will declare him as our sovereign Lord, commissioning us to the ministry of reconciliation.